Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. This week, prepare to be amazed. That's right, we're getting corny with one of the world's most beloved ingredients in ways you may never have tasted it before. First up is a heritage cake that's perfect for dessert or breakfast and melds corn with berries and ginger. And speaking of farmer's market favorites, we'll stick to one of our 19 for 19 baking resolutions when we take a deep dive into what's in season in both the northern and southern hemispheres. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, we've talked in some previous episodes about our love for a good brunch, haven't we? Oh, we are team brunch. Absolutely. Trends may come, trends may go. Andrea and Stefan will always be pro brunch. We will still meet for a mimosa and some savory scones. Always. I was reading on Twitter, one of the people that I follow is an author named Jill Leitner. She wrote the cookbook Scraps, Peels, and Stems, and Mm, I have learned a lot from her about using things you might normally waste and instead using them to cook. And I think that cookbook got a little bit of chatter over on our Facebook group. I remember at least one other listener recommending it or saying she had read Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Yeah. She had posted recently about walking by a table full of people brunching, Mm -hmm. at which point she overheard them ordering an order of French toast for the table to share. Oh! (laughs) Wow, did she sit right down and join that fun, people? (laughs) I know. (laughs) And she said, what is this? Have I missed something? Is this a thing? I go out to brunch with people. We do this all the time. Yeah. We go out to dinner a lot with other people. We do often order appetizers at dinner to share with the table. Yeah. I have never ordered a breakfast appetizer to share with the table. So I thought, am I the only person missing out? Is this something you've done and you've heard about? I haven't. I am tantalized by the idea of a breakfast (laughs) appetizer. The closest thing I can come to is in Seattle, there's a restaurant called Chinooks. It is part of the Anthony's chain. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Oh, yeah. And they bring you a really delightful basket of warm scones. Or at some of their restaurants, I think it's like a blueberry coffee cake. Mm -hmm. But that's more of like a bread basket. I have not shared some kind of an appetizer at brunch or breakfast time. But gosh, I guess I'm going to have to start now. It sounds fantastic. I know. I mean, there's no reason not to do it, but it's just so foreign to me. And especially with French toast. I mean, that is something you can't just reach out and grab. You would need to cut it, pass it around. Yeah. It's not like a pile of crispy bacon or something. Right. You have to kind of slice it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd run that by you Um, next time you're at brunch. Why don't you just go ahead and do it and see how people react? I'm going to brunch tomorrow, as a matter of fact. This is incredible timing. (laughs) It's just with one other person, though. We'll see what, we'll see if she's cool with it. Yeah. (laughs) Report back, please. (laughs) Okay, will do. Well, Andrea, the calendar has turned the page to June, and we are getting ready for lots of dads and grads celebrations in the coming month. 
Now, we thought you might take some inspiration from all of the great things we saw posted on our Facebook community for Mother's Day. Andrea, I was so blown away by what people were whipping up for their moms. I know. It was great. And I was also appreciating the people who were posting what they were being treated with. Always. Even better. Yeah. Did you see Sarah? She made a huge, speaking of brunch, a huge brunch tea. She and her family, and it was a whole family affair, they made chocolate granola cups that they filled with yogurt and berries, blueberry lemon bars, mini pancakes, BLT finger sandwiches, a smoked salmon frittata, and the life-changing crackers from episode 124, which sounds like also changed Sarah's life. She loved them. Yeah, I was really blown away by that spread, especially those chocolate granola cups with the yogurt and the strawberries, because I've never thought about using granola as sort of a cup. I mean, she must have somehow put the Mm -hmm. granola into maybe like a mini muffin pan or something or, you know, a regular muffin pan just to get that shape that then she could spoon the uh, yogurt and the strawberries into it. Exactly. It's like she made a little pie crust with the granola. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was pretty nice. I love that. And then Lauren had also posted recently about some raspberry chocolate chunk cookies that she said, Mm. I just made these. I have to tell the world about them. She was loving them. (laughs) They were so beautiful. And, you know, chocolate and raspberry is a fantastic combination. And the word chocolate chunk, I mean, you had me there. I don't care what (laughs) you do with it. If it involves chocolate chunks, I'm in. (laughs) It's like the word gooey or fudgy for me as well. Like, doesn't matter what else is in that title. I'll probably go for it. Maggie, actually, for Cinco de Mayo, had done some pan dulce conchas, and that is a sweet roll that takes its name because it looks like a seashell. Andrea, I haven't eaten these, but I think you may have. I have eaten these. I've tried them before from Mexican bakeries, and I was just so impressed that someone would try and make those at home because I thought they looked really complicated. Yes, she did a cinnamon and a chocolate version, and it was delightful. For fear of sounding like a Winona Ryder movie, we had uh, two different Heathers post some really cute things. So <laughs> one of our listeners posted a picture with her daughters who made donuts and just the smiles on their faces were so cute. I absolutely love that. I did too. And she was saying, you know, deep frying. I've been kind of trying to put it off, but we were really yep. safe and they had such a blast and everything turned out really well. I like that, you know, for most of the world, moms are debating, you know, when should my child get a cell phone or when should my child be allowed to walk home from school by themselves? <laughs> and our listeners are debating, <laughs> when should I introduce my child to the deep fryer? I mean, these... When is the right age? <laughs> these are the questions that plague preheaters and I'm all in for it. <laughs> Well, they were obviously ready to take the mantle of the deep fryer, and it looks like they did a great job. And then one of our other Heathers, who looks like she's a teacher, had what perhaps is the cutest photo I've ever seen posted. She had done some shortbread cookies with an embossed rolling pin. Yes. And she had these little preheaters, uh, pre- little preschoolers, crouched down in front of the oven looking through the window at what they made. I loved it. It was so adorable. They have- oh, and they had their little hats yes. on. And, oh. and you weren't wrong at first. You were going to say preschoolers, but first you started to say little preheaters, and that's exactly what they are. So that's that's appropriate. That's the right title. That's true. Little preheaters. Oh, my gosh. Training the next generation. I have no fear with listeners like Heather out there that we're going to be pretty well set for baked goods for many years to come. 
Well, hopefully that provides some inspiration as you're getting ready for dads and grads things. And always do check the Facebook page. Our bakers, our community are so active. You're going to be inspired no matter when you are taking a look there. That's right. We're over at the Preheated Baking Podcast listeners group, and we hope you'll join us there. So, Andrea, we are kicking off June, and we are calling it our completely corny month. Now, a little bit of backstory on this theme. (laughs) My husband actually can take the credit for completely corny. Many months ago, you and I planned so far in advance, and we were brainstorming about new themes for 2019, and he makes a very good cornmeal biscuit, and it's it's from uh, Cook's Illustrated. Okay. I usually am treated to it on Mother's Day. It is one of those biscuits that can really veer savory, veer mm. sweet. Mm-hmm. We like to use it as our strawberry shortcake biscuit. It's really, really excellent. And so he said, why don't you do an entire month of corn-based desserts? And I just, I went... <laughs> <laughs> And about five minutes later, I'm like, that's actually a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) And I started looking. I think I emailed or texted you and you were like, you know, leave it to your husband to come up with a completely corny month. And we, of course, found so many entries into this month. I mean, just think of it. There's the classic like polenta cake, of course, but... We have found cakes, we have found ice cream, we have found snacking corn. We really had a lot to choose from this month. It's so funny that your husband came up with this topic because you know how we did a hot buttered pretzel because he kept Oh yes. kept applying that pressure for us to do oh, that. Oh, that's right. Hot buttered pretzel. My husband is always wanting me to add corn to things and it drives me insane like corn kernels Uh uh-huh okay okay I can't make a salad or a soup without serving it to him and he'll be about halfway through it and he'll go you know what would be good in this and I just (laughs) wait I just I know what's coming and I'm like what and he'll say some corn (laughs) he should move to England they put corn on everything here I know including like pizza yes oh yeah he has begged me to put corn on pizza and I have put my foot down I'm I can't do it I can't do it I just thought when I saw your note uh listeners we little behind the scenes info we collaborate with each other over google documents so we can you know kind of share our thoughts with each other and same thing when I first saw your note about completely corny I just started laughing so hard because I thought (laughs) finally my husband is going to be vindicated and then when I saw it was your husband's idea I just I thought that was perfect perfect that it's for Father's Day a little homage then to to both of them well we are starting off with a vintage cake it comes from Julie Richardson she is the author of the cookbook by the same name it's called vintage cakes Andrea you actually gifted this to me a few years ago, I think while I've been living in England. I did, yeah. And Food 52 Baking Club actually covered this cookbook in a recent month. I think it was maybe February, March of 2019. So I've also seen a lot of bakes coming out of this book. It's really lovely, and it's the kind of cookbook I most enjoy because it has a lot of the history. And this one we're doing is called A Berry Long Cake with ginger crumb lots of delicious sounding ingredients there and i believe she said this was inspired by an original recipe from the 40s from the good old betty crocker cookbook which you know how much we love that i'm surprised you didn't have a copy of it that you could just run to and (laughs) check for the original recipe well i think my beloved one is from the 60s so but you're right i should i should match it up see if it's still in there now i am curious why is it called a long cake 
It's opposed to a shortcake, which this actually kind of reminds me of. And it was also because you could really stretch these ingredients to make it last longer. Mm. Did I pass that test? Is that right? Is yeah. that what you think too? Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. It doesn't have a huge ton of ingredients. So that does make a lot of sense to me in terms of how much fruit is being okay. used okay. for a whole okay. cake. It's only a pound of berries. Yeah, and I might use some frozen berries. I know that some of these soft fruits are coming into season, but I also really rely a lot on high-quality frozen. And that way I can mix in maybe a little bit of blackberry, a little bit of blueberry, a little bit of strawberry, a little bit of raspberry. What are you thinking there for your berries? I'm not sure what berries I'm going to use. June is the time of year when my local strawberries come into season. So, of course, that would be perfect. I also love raspberries. I love blueberries. I love blackberries. I love that she does not specify. She just says one pound of berries left whole if small or sliced if larger six cups prepped so I really think you can go to town and use whatever you want and I agree you can use frozen berries if you want to And this cake really has three components. We just talked about the fruit topping, which also has a little bit of sugar there, and then kind of your choice of some brandy or vanilla extract. Well, (laughs) that's an easy choice. (laughs) Well, do you know what I thought I might use here? Tell me. Can you guess something we made back in December that has fruit and alcohol? Oh, our cherry cordial? Yes, I still have some cherry bounce, and I thought that might be good here. Oh my gosh, I still have that entire container of cherry bounce in my linen closet as well. I completely yeah. forgot about it. Use it as, I mean, it's essentially an extract. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah. So anyway, I might do that one. Also, I like how it keeps kind of the fruit flavor going. Well, and I was thinking since she calls for a berry sugar and then the brandy or the vanilla, I thought I might use the berries, the brandy, and then my vanilla sugar. So get a little bit of everything. Yes. So the next element in the ingredient list here is for your topping. And that's kind of like a crumble topping is what it reminds me of, Andrea, that you might do for a pie. It has those ingredients, packed brown sugar, all-purpose flour, the nice diced candied ginger, which I just love, and then some butter cut into small cubes. And then your cake. So you are basically making a a fairly standard kind of vanilla-ish cake there. But of course, it has our star ingredient. It has half a cup or two and three quarter ounces of fine cornmeal. Now, Andrea, I know that cornmeal comes in kind of different variations. Do you have fine? Yeah, I have polenta, which I would say definitely falls on the coarser end of cornmeal. But I'm just planning on throwing it into my blender and turning it into fine cornmeal. I'm not going to go out and search or buy fine cornmeal. So then some sugar, baking powder, more ground ginger, some salt, butter, eggs, and whole milk. Andrea, it was funny when we did our bake-along last March when you were at my house in London, we discovered that you always stock whole milk while I stock semi-skim or skim milk. And so you'll be all prepared. I'll have to go get some whole milk. That would be true were my daughter to maintain a consistent outlook on life. But being a teenager, she varies often. And a couple of months ago, she said to me, you know, mom, I think I want to switch to 2% milk. And she's the primary milk drinker in the family. I Uh, got it. Yeah, I only use it for baking. And so I thought, well, she's really the one using, you know, 80% of it. And so I now, too, am stocking 2% milk instead of whole milk. So I don't know. I'll either go and buy one of the smaller containers of whole milk. Yeah. Or I I might try and do a little magic of doing the 2% and maybe tossing a little bit of half and half in there. 
Ooh, that is a little magical. I like that. A little mathical, a little magical. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. So then it's pretty straightforward, really. You are greasing a two and a half quart square baking dish or a nine inch square cake pan with some butter, preheating your oven, macerating those berries with the sugar and the brandy or the vanilla, Mm. making your topping, sticking that in the freezer while you make up your cake batter. I don't think anything here is really jumping out at me, Andrea, until you kind of come to the assembly here. Yeah, the assembly is different than what I'm used to. I guess I assumed... We would either be mixing the berry mixture into the cake batter, yeah, kind of in the tradition of the um, upside down cake or the horribly named dump cake, that you would put the fruit layer on the bottom and then the cake layer on top of it, and then the fruit would sort of bubble and rise up through the cake. But alas, neither of those is true. (laughs) Right. You're putting the cake and then the berries and then the topping. Yeah. So this is going to be different and interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it does say... Bake until the berries bubble and the cake is firm. Ignore those places where the crumb topping has melted into the cake since it's hard to tell into those oh-so-buttery spots. I did take a look over on the Food 52 Baking Club and read some reviews, and a couple of people said that they used a clear pan. Glass. Not a clear pan. A glass pan, thank you, so that they could more readily tell whether or not the cake was done. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah, I guess you're taking a closer look. Maybe the toothpick test isn't really going to be a good one to do here. I'm excited. I've never used cornmeal in a recipe where cornmeal wasn't the dominant ingredient, such as, you know, cornmeal pancakes or cornmeal biscuits or cornbread. I'm really curious how cornmeal is going to influence and shape the flavor of this cake. Right. I mean, we did Jamie Oliver's polenta cake last season, but that was so heavy on the cornmeal. This is more of a side note. The cornmeal in this recipe is only half a cup, whereas the all-purpose flour is a cup and a half. So it's only a side note, not the primary storing ingredient. That's right. And I'm, for one, very excited about all this ginger. It's one of my very favorite flavors. And I think with those berries, it's going to be really great. And one of the exciting things for me, I don't know why, but I actually have diced candied ginger in my pantry. Not diced. It's, well, it's chunked. Yeah, like big cubes kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that on the label because that's not very attractive sounding. I think it just says candied ginger. I must have bought it for a recipe or I think I might have bought it. I've heard that it can settle stomachs and my daughter still sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, gets a little car sick. Yeah. So maybe I was thinking about it for that and I tasted it, which I had never just eaten it plain. And it's really good and it packs quite a spice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's spicy. Yeah. It's almost like a gumdrop. Yes. But in ginger form. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love that. Though I alluded to the fact that this came from the cookbook Vintage Cakes, it is reprinted on oprah.com of all places so that's where we're linking to for an online version that's right well remember we'll have that link to these recipes in the show notes for this episode which is episode 127 also on our website preheatedpodcast.com and in our facebook listeners group andrea it was one of our preheated 19 for 19 baking resolutions to eat and bake seasonally and while we're trying to plan bakes throughout the year with those criteria We thought we'd also start doing a periodic rundown of seasonal goodies to help everyone keep the freshest ingredients top of mind. That's right. And even though shoppers can often find imported products throughout the year, we think produce just tastes better when it's local and in season. 
though availability varies regionally, of course, here's a general idea of what our listeners in both the northern and southern hemispheres can expect to get their hands on in the coming weeks. Let's start down under, where winter has just started. What's fresh and delicious in the southern hemisphere, Stefan? Well, none other than your favorite, Andrea, citrus. Grapefruits, lemons, limes, oranges, and kumquats, among others, are rolling into the markets right now. And, you know, we've done so many citrus recipes over the years. I think these fruits might be our unofficial mascots. Yeah. Of course, we devoted an entire month to citrus last April, and we loved our sunny lemon bars from episode 71, our coconut tapioca pudding with mango lime sauce from episode 72, and of course, the Sussex Pond pudding, both the traditional and instant pot versions in episode 73.5. And more recently, of course, we tried the triple layer orange marmalade cake in episode 122, and I even developed my own ruby red lemon grapefruit curd which you can find on our newly revamped recipes tab on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. And please don't forget my life-changing season one blue ribbon (laughs) winner, the lemon drizzle cake from episode 45. Also in season in the Southern Hemisphere are kiwi, apples, and pineapple. We made our own pineapple Dole Whip in episode 79. You tackled Waitrose's golden kiwi jam in last summer's Quick Bite episode 86. And apples make a regular appearance on our show. Remember the apple dumplings from episode 46 and the tarte tatan from way back in episode 15. Moving into the northern hemisphere where summer is beginning to bloom, we are spoiled for choice with a wide variety of fruits. Strawberries, apricots, cherries, plums, peaches, nectarines, raspberries, gooseberries. I think we've tackled just about all of those at some point or another, haven't we? I think so. What immediately comes to my mind is one of our favorite historical recipes. It was the raspberry flummery from episode 12. Oh, yes. But also, how about the unusually delicious plum meringue we made back in episode 92? So good. Yeah, that was the one that was like the hybrid of fruit cobbler and meringue, and we both loved it. And we still have not run across anything remotely like that. I know. Very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, last September was Stone Fruits Month, and we tackled a show-stopping peach pie in episode 92, and Diana Henry's apricot peach and blackberry crumble in episode 93. Andrea, quick side note, I was in my local bookstore the other day, and I noticed that Diana Henry has a new book coming out that's available for pre-order, so we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Ooh, I wonder if it's going to be textured like her last one was that felt like a nice fuzzy peach. The cover was so interesting on that, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of England, it's elderflower season, and this may be the year I head to a quiet country lane and forage for some to make my own homemade elderflower cordial. Wow. Remember our fabulous lemon elderflower cake from last season's episode 77, celebrating the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, now the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and of course, proud parents to baby Archie. Oh, that's right. Hmm, do you think those titles come with a lifetime supply of Sussex Pond pudding? (laughs) (laughs) I can only hope. Though it's not a fruit, spinach is also coming into season, which reminds me of our lemon spinach donuts from last January's episode 108, Mm. the perfectly titled Little Green Goddesses. They were cute and delicious and healthy. I'd eat those as a breakfast appetizer. Oh, for sure. I thought it was interesting to note that rhubarb is in season in both the southern and northern hemispheres right now. So listeners in either location could consider whipping up a delicious rhubarb pie. 
And if it's summer where you're listening, you could also try Joy the Baker's Strawberry Rhubarb Pie, which we talked about in episode 66. Speaking of strawberries, we can't forget to mention the roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream from episode 30 or the strawberry icebox cake from episode 83. You know, what's also coming to mind for me is the one thing we haven't yet tackled on our show, and that is strawberry shortcake. That's true. That's a dessert I made for my new boyfriend, now husband, early on, and it's still one of our all-time go-to favorites. Another favorite for me in the Pacific Northwest is Marionberries. These are available for just a few short weeks every year, and I load up on them and make Marionberry pie, which I talk about way back in episode 16, or my latest invention, a Marionberry coconut crumble, which you can find in the recipe section on our webpage. Listeners, I hope we've offered up enough inspiration and encouragement to help make the most of seasonal goodness wherever in the world you're listening. And please do drop us an email, hosts at preheatedpodcast.com, to let us know what's fresh and delicious for you right now. We'd love to know. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week we're scooping up slices of our berry long cake, then pulling out our popcorn poppers for a new take on caramel corn, zebra corn. And, speaking of cakes that are perfect all day long, we'll chat about brownies for breakfast and other bakes that can pull double duty. Thanks so much to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie at annemarierussell.com and on Amazon and iTunes. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to our full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and subscribe and consider ranking and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Well, we are starting off with a vintage cake, Andrea. Andrea. <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> yes, Stefan. <laughs>